Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Men From Moto. This is KYT. We're back with Kenji. Hey, hey everybody. And Josh Frankel. Hey, what's up guys? <laughs> so we got good feedback from our first episode. And what I realized was I mistakenly thought that the listeners of our first show were people that were going to know me already because they were people that probably would listen through Mana Deprived or people that followed me on Twitter. But once Josh posted the the episode on draftmagic.com i realized that no not everyone knows me and it might have been a detriment to the show just to introduce myself as someone who is horseshit bad at limited so <laughs> conceited of you. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give myself a more proper introduction so my real name is car young tom um most people call me kyt by my initials um most like if not all magic players um i'm the creator of mana deprived a site that's represented by basically the top players uh, of Canada, and we were fortunate enough to have one of our members win the last Pro Tour. Um, I myself haven't had that many amazing or stellar results. I've played in six Grand Prix in the past two years and uh, day twoed 50% of them. Uh, three of them, uh, two of which are my last two in Columbus and Atlanta. They're they're not big accomplishments, but I just wanted to like add a bit of credibility as because I might be the host of this show. I will, as Josh said in the comments uh, of that thread, add my two cents here and there. So, um, so I'm with the show. So the first card that I really wanted to talk about was during a draft last week right after we did the show i opened this rare and i was like you know annoying kenji because i didn't know whether this card was good or not it looked really really bad and uh it was winding down to the final seconds i'm like kenji tell me if i should first pick this or not and the card is slumbering dragon oh, no. which i thought was awful but I think Kenji thought it was fine, and, and I ended up passing it anyways. And I, after playing with it, getting more experience, I absolutely hate the card. And uh, what do you think about this card, Josh? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to play it. I, it's, it doesn't seem like the worst. Like, if you drop it turn one, they at least have to save a removal spell, maybe? But, I mean, it, too much of the time. Like, they see it there. It's on the board. They get to sculpt the game around it, so it's it's never gonna act, like it might slow them down, but it's never going to actually do anything for you. You know, like you're never gonna attack with it, right? Unless unless it doesn't matter, in which case, who cares, right? Like they'll maybe they they'll let it tick up when they no longer care that you have a dragon, but at which point you've probably lost the game. That's that's what I think. I mean, it, it's it could be a tool in in a control deck. But I'd rather avoid it. Kenji, do you see any redeeming value in a slumbering dragon? Yeah, if you yeah, yeah. I think it's like experience. okay. Well, let's put it this way: it's a really, really, really bad <laughs> nomaton. All right. So uh, yes, I'm not going to play it or first pick it a large majority of the time. But the fact that it's on the board, um, while it does mean your opponent can sculpt around it, it also means that. You know, if they don't have an answer, they're not going to be attacking in with those tormented souls or whatever. Just you know, one point of damage to give it one counter, because if they get two overzealous with it, they're just going to turn on the dragon and they're going to lose the game. So sometimes, you know, it, it kind of buys you time in the sense that 
they don't always want to attack with their weenies unless they have an immediate answer for it. And if they do have an immediate answer, like pacify or uh, pacifism or murder. Josh? Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, sure, but I, I think that, you know, there's other cards that kind of do the same thing, but, but, like, what about Blood... Is it Blood Reckoning, the card I'm thinking of? It has a sort of very similar function, just it's turned on right away. I just... I got... It's, Slumbering Dragon's a horrible top deck, and while that's true of a lot of one-drops, I mean, you can't even jump with it, like... <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather just avoid it. I, I can see siding into it against, you know, there might be some like a, a swarming goblin or captain's call kind of deck, and maybe I'd side into it if I if I thought it would it would, you know, slow them down enough uh, enough of the time. But uh, it's it's the kind of card I'm I'm usually going to avoid. Uh, Kenji, if you are seeing some use of this card, where do you exactly see yourself picking this card? Obviously, um, like you advised me last time, it's not a first pick. It's nowhere close to being a first pick. So where are you hoping to get this? Uh, if I'm in red and it's coming around like 10th or 11th pick, I'll, I'll take it, you know? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, so it's a pretty bad card, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Josh, like when I, I first played it just to test it out, uh, the only the major use of that card was the fact that it was red green and that I could use it to prey upon. <laughs> Ooh, nice. But other than that, it was useless. <laughs> Activate your jesters, rummaging goblin away from your hand. <laughs> yeah. The 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 marginal values. Um. So speaking of, on the topic of rares that uh, people may not be so sure about how good they are. Another card that, that has come up, um, even Conley Woods has mentioned it in his last article, is a white rare by the name of Touch of the Eternal. It's a 7-mana enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, your life toll becomes equal to the number of permanents you control. So, what do you think about that card, Kenji? Uh, I have never played with it. I have never played against it. So I can't tell you from you know, personal experience... Uh, how it's been, but just um, in theory, since you know I haven't used it or played against me, <laughs> I would say that I would most likely not want to play that card. I would be upset picking it early. I would be upset playing it. Uh, it does it does cost seven, so you know usually you're going to be gaining or you're going to be going up to at least seven health or life rather, uh, which is fine. But I, I just think it's taking a card slot that you'd rather have anything else uh, fit into. Josh, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not a card that you run in every white deck. Uh, there's a special class of decks where it might fit in, but you're not. I don't think you're picking it early, as you know. I don't. That's a very sound strategy building around it. I I I, I watched a video of I, I think it was LSV who he he tried to do that and it worked out, but I don't think it worked out because of that card. Uh, it, it, it's just it's, it's a nice tool in in uh, in a control deck where you can sort of drop it late and uh, put yourself in a position where it's very very difficult to lose and you have forever to find your whatever your win condition is. But uh, yeah, in general, in general, I don't think it's uh, it's not a card that you play in any deck, and and I don't think you want to build around. If it happens to fit your somehow a white base control deck, you go for it. But 
Yeah. Yeah. The problem is the white is more aggro than control in this format. Yeah, so that's why I said just... somehow. If you somehow find your like, yeah, it, exactly. most of the cards are are just like you know, really you want to either swarm or be exalted or fly or whatever. It, it white does not like the same thing. So planar cleansing, it's really tough to find a deck that that fits well into because just because of the nature of white. So I was confused by this card because I thought. I was reading it wrong, and I got the wrong idea when um, our friend Josh John Stern uh, decided to draft it, and I felt like he gave me the impression that it gained you life uh, based on the more permanents that you had, but it just brings you up to that, right? Right, right. So, so for some decks, it'll be really tough to lose. Like if you make sure you're always at ten life, and you've got some defensive creatures or a healthy amount of removal, you can make it very difficult to lose. I think if you you know once you get up to eight, nine, ten permanents on the board, it's hard to do yep. ten damage to to a deck that's prepared to not take ten damage. But that's a very yeah, special I'm class. To, I'm trying to think of what cards you're you're really putting in your deck to make sure that like, are you playing a lot of those one five guys or I could see it in like a yeah you can play like I, I guess they would fit. You, I would play it in a deck that might might feature like Ranger's Path. And, and like a green white rampy style deck, maybe some like Jam Day Tome, and you know some weird brew. <laughs> How like are you that. winning? <laughs> By ramping into big things that block and <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Avatar. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's probably pretty big. You're ramping <laughs> into big things and then playing this and saying, "I got to survive this stage." Find find a way to kill me. I dare you. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, an interesting card, uh, interesting comment that we got from, uh, one of our listeners, Frank, um, not safe for work comment, <laughs> basically, fuck you, Josh Frankel, spell time was shit for me the entire night, <laughs> and, uh, I was at that draft, and I think maybe it's possible that it's one of those cards that he just got unlucky with, and he didn't have... Um, I'm imagining it's a deck where you want removal or some good spells on your side to be able to at least take advantage of it uh, if your opponent doesn't play enough instance and sorceries. It just seems like a really good card and that he had bad luck with it. What do you have to say in reply to Frank, Wait, Josh? The card's been absolutely insane for me every, almost every time. You, what you have to remember is like you can't re- you're not relying on your opponent's spells for it to be good. It's insane when they have a good card. That's when it gets just completely nuts. But as long as you have cards that you're okay spending 6 mana to get a second copy of, you don't like all even if even if they have a divine verdict or uh, like a, an essence scatter that you can't actually cast, you know, at least you're still you're still getting another copy of removal spell. So like at its worst, it's a copy, it's an extra copy of Essence Drain or Tolerance Invocation or something you know something along those lines, and then when they do have a good target, it's just a complete absolute blowout, and it almost single-handedly wins you the game. Like copying both of your Tolerance Invocations or like you know something something ridiculous like that. Uh, so you would say for for uh... you just need to make sure you have your own targets. Like don't rely on their targets to make it good. Like I wouldn't, I would, I would actually not even play it in a deck that didn't have enough, like at least two or three targets that I that I'd be happy to pay six mana for as a second. You know, like Tolerance Invocation, I'm fine 
paying six for my second tolerance invocation kind of thing. Like I want I want some spells of that caliber before I slam it into my deck. And then so it seems like pretty good. Uh, pro- probably the best in the blue black deck. Oh yeah, it's compl- it's insane in blue black. Yeah, that's that's where it's at its best. But even, I mean, as long as you even have just like the blue, you can play it in blue white. It's fine. Like you can you can have captain's call kind of thing, at least. And but like yeah, you you blue black is where you have the most access to the most targets where you're happy to just play it regardless of what instant you're copying from their yard. Okay, so Kenji, have you had experience playing with Spell Twine? Uh, no experience playing with it. It's been played against me. I don't think the card is that great, unfortunately. <laughs> yes! Uh, yeah, you too? <laughs> no, 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 I just want you guys to battle it out. <laughs> oh, oh, I see how it is. I mean... Tormented Soul! <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's better than it, Tormented Soul. No, no. <laughs> it has to. Ha- you, you have to have targets in your graveyard and your opponent's graveyard sure i mean like you could like you said you can hit the divine verdict or essence scatter just to just to recast one of your spells for six mana but i mean in these decks how many instants or sorceries do you are you conceivably going to have like maybe maybe upwards of eight if you're lucky right and probably it is it is uh, yeah i'd hope that i mean in a blue black deck though that's normally where you you're, you're going to end up. There's a lot of spells, like divination stuff. You know, there's there's a lot of spells in blue black. Sure, and then maybe of, the, of those eight, five, maybe or even just four, fifty percent of them are what you really want to be casting. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a sideboard card. I don't think I'm going to run it in my main deck, any at all, because uh, it really depends. If if I'm only going to be able to rebuy one of my spells, I don't think it's that good. Yeah, no, I, I would I would actually side it out. So the way I would do it is I'd always main deck it as long as I have the targets, and I might I'd consider signing it out if at its best it's one of my spells again. But most decks, like the way this format, even like a white green deck, has prey upons and yeah, yeah, spells Titanic Gross, whatever, etc. Yeah, you know, every every deck in this format has some number of spells so i sure. I've, I've never had it i've never actually had it stuck in my hand where i can't cast it i'm sure it could happen but i think it's it's that's not the norm once you're at like late game stages six sets or six seven eight most decks have cast a spell all right so you said you hate slumbering dragon right yeah i think this is like a blue slumbering dragon Ooh. i just went there I don't even, I don't even, you just I don't went even there think it's like in the same <laughs> conversation like <laughs> you still have to have, like both cards require conditions if they're if they get online yeah they're good but until then it's just like sitting there doing nothing right i think the con- but i think the conditions that you have to meet for for spell twine are are much much more reasonable than for slumbering dragon Really, like, I, I don't think so. I, Spell Twine's a better late game top deck for sure. But well, you have to draw. Not only have to draw Slumbering Dragon early, you have now they have the, the. It has to really matter to them, like, which which they can probably play some way where it it bothers them a little bit, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't really affect the outcome of the game. They play. They can play around it. They see it on the table. Spell Twine. It's not like it's not like. You announce, "Hey, I just top deck spell twine. You better not, you know, cast your spells and stuff." Because I mean, they're going to cast their spells. <laughs> sure, I guess, but. <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway. I'm going to have to side with Josh because I think Slumber Dragons almost... I think it's almost unplayable. <laughs> I think it's unplayable main deck completely. I think they're both um, unplayable main... Well, maybe. No. I, I I hate them both. I hate them all. Everything sucks. What? You, you said Slumbering Dragon had redeeming value. It does. I'm not, I'm not running into my main deck, though. Um, so, Josh, just to clarify a bit, because I think the fact that you... We didn't give you a chance to really explain how, how enthusiastic you were about Spell Twine that Frank probably took it... I think he actually took it first pick <laughs> in, in the second pack. In the second pack... Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm... I'd first pick it if I wouldn't first pick it pack one pick one I'd first pick it pack two if it looked like if I was blue black and had like four spells already that were like four removal spell kind of thing and the tolerance invocation yeah I'd, I'd just slam it I I, okay. I I think uh I think you guys got to give this card a, ch- a proper chance it's it's completely insane and I stand okay, by cause, it yeah because <laughs> he passed it to me well he was blue black so so I think it was fine uh, but he passed me a, a pack that had Searing Spear, Garrick's Pack Leader, and Oblivion Ring. And I, I'm sitting to his right, I'm like, what the, What rare did he take? <laughs> spell Twine. And then, at the end of the night, he's like, fucking Spell Twine. <laughs> I but I'm on your but, side, Josh. But uh, he, should, he should give it another try. <laughs> but but you didn't mention that it's not, you know, you sometimes side it in. So it's not like a superstar first pick. It's a solid first pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like I'm not, I, I have a hard time taking it over like a Talran's Invocation or a Sleep <laughs> or a, depending on the deck for Sleep. But or, uh, better. Yeah, the Switcheroo kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's the other card I wanted to talk about because I've been having trouble... Um, I think Switcheroo is a very powerful effect, but like another card uh, from last week, actually forgot which one, where I mentioned it was hard, uh, it was the Primadox, right, to make sure to build your deck around a particular card. I drafted two Switcheroos early, I thought they were really powerful effects, I was in blue, but ultimately I felt like my final deck did not take advantage of having Switcheroo in the deck, so... Kenji, I want to ask you, what's the best way to take advantage of Switcheroo? And do you think it's a good card, like a great card? What's the best way to use it? Or- oh, and what <laughs> what deck archetype have you had the most success um, with it? I know, like, the obvious is, like, to, to use it with Ravenous Rats, Elvish Visionary. Sure, sure. I mean, I even splash for this card. I think the, the effect is just that powerful. More so in Sealed than Draft, certainly. But... I think, I think just you just put in your deck uh, regardless of what else you have. Uh, but what if you have no crappy dudes to give? Well, then your deck's gonna win anyway, right? Is that your logic, Josh? Well, I mean, to an ex- to an extent. Um, <laughs> I think I think once you have a switcheroo, you're gonna you you probably want to put a little bit more value into cards like Archeomancer and Augur of Bolas. Is that the right guy? The, yeah, the Augur. Yeah, you want you want to put more value into some guys like that, like guys that have value when they come to play, and they're in blue too. You don't even have to like go pair with green for visionaries, but those two guys especially, uh, you want to put a little bit more emphasis on on, on maybe those guys and, and just make sure you have a few crappy targets. It's not like it's it's a dead card when you know you're giving them a two two Drake, but um, you know you like to have access to some some value guys that aren't really going to help their situation. But yeah, I, I think you play it no matter what. Um, it's just it's going to be less good if most of your creatures are five drops and six drops. <laughs> you know? 
Right. If you have like a good, like you said, flying deck, let's say you got wind drakes, you got three fleet flyers. I don't feel like switcheroo in some situations give you that much value if you're switching a 2-2 flyer for, I don't know. Um, it has come up in situations where uh, the the opponent, maybe I'm just winning anyways, like Kenji, Kenji mentioned, and I shouldn't worry too much about uh, how much value I'm getting from my switcheroo. Uh, but there have been board states where, you know, it's not that impressive because of how, possibly, how I built my deck. I mean, maybe, but like it's just nice having the reassuring fact that if they do drop a bomb on you, you can switch through one of your, even if they're decent guys for whatever they just played. Like I remember, <laughs> I was streaming the other day, um, and I had a Elder Scale Worm or whatever. Elder Scale got the seven seven thing. You know, your life can't go below seven life, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, I hate that card. Yeah, no, he's super good. But uh, playing against, playing he was against. in my hand, and I was winning on the board, and, and I'm, I'm like on the stream. Well, the only way I lose is if I play this Elder Scale Dragon and he switcheroos because I have no outs to it. But I'm like, screw <laughs> it, I'm gonna do it anyway. Oh no! I play my, I play my dragon. I'm like, yep, I'm gonna win, right? And then snap, snap next turn, switcheroo, I lose. <laughs> oh, it's gross. Anyway, that's my bad <laughs> switcheroo story. You learned your lesson. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Never give them extra outs. <laughs> no, it was the um, worst because I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and if you have switcheroo, I lose, and then it happened. <laughs> so, Josh, switcheroo or spell twine? Yeah, I'm taking switcheroo. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, spell, twine, spell twine's good, but it's only as good as your spells, and <laughs> I, I take a, a, a high-quality spell over it for sure. Okay, um, just to give uh, our listeners more perspective, first first pack, first pick, uh, how do you rank Switcheroo versus um, Sleep, let's say? Uh, pro- probably take Switcheroo, it's splashable, and uh, it, it Sleep isn't insane in every deck. Like, there's a certain, you know, it's really, really good in blue-green, it's still going to be fine in something like blue-white, in blue-black where you're playing you know a lot of removal and smaller like ravenous rats it's not it's not really insane anymore like it it's almost not ma- like sometimes you won't even main deck it so i, I definitely take switcheroo yeah you agree with that right kenji oh, completely yeah sometimes sleep is just like a draw card since it just buys you an extra turn if you're already down on the board you know <laughs> all right uh moving on to our next card that i wanted to talk about is um mine rot it's a card that is always like, eh, it's an easy 23rd playable. Um, it's hard for me to evaluate whether it's a card that I should or should not have. Um, I know what decks I probably wanted to have it against, decks that probably hold expensive removal spells like Essence Drains or Public Execution in their hand that I just want to punish them with a Mine Rod or if they have a bunch of Essence Scatters. Uh, but I never know how to evaluate the card because it's just like, you know, it's, it's a fine card. So, um, Josh, any comments on how do you feel about Mine Rod in this format? I, I abs- if I'm black, I, I actively want one Mine Rod in my deck. I don't want multiples. There's times where I'll side into multiples, but uh, I, I think that, uh, like, in this, in this format, like, it's, it's a very... Like, it, there, there are some faster decks and, and, and stuff like that, but... It's still very straightforward. It's it's core set card advantage. I don't I don't think you want to 
completely throw card advantage out the window. Um, cards like Divination, cards like Mind Rot are, are cards I actively want in, in most of my uh, decks with the respective color. Uh, mm-hmm. You can usually shape like even even against an aggressive deck like it, they they vomit their hand on the table. You empty their hand and then you start to you know you you get rid of their four and five drop and then you start worrying about the board and stabilizing stuff like that. Like it's 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 a good card. Kenji. Yeah, I agree. It's it's perfectly playable. Um, like I always whenever I build my decks on uh, MTGO, I always you know double click the cards that uh, are playable into my uh, into my deck and mind rots are always there with it but for me they're usually like like if I'm at 24 cards they're one of like the first cards I'll cut just to make my deck 23 17 you know I mean I think it's very good I think it has all the potentials that uh, that Josh was talking about even against even against the faster text like he said uh, it's still pretty good there being able to to take away their last two cards after they've puked out some of their weenies, and then you can just um, outshine their guys with with p- your potentially uh, bigger creatures. And against the control mm-hmm. decks too, even though if they if they might be holding on to more cards, um, I still think yeah, the benefits there are just as good. So Josh, Kenji sort of mentioned basically my problem with it. Um, it's just that I will click the card. It's like an auto-playable card. Um, but I often found, and, and in all the formats that I've played uh, a similar card, it, it will always be like that 23, 22, 23, 24 card. And I don't know why, just like it just happens to be that way. And I wonder if I'm doing it wrong. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's a card that you should try to main deck a lot. Like Sometimes it's hard to cut a creature. But when you take a look, when you when you take a better look at your creature, especially in black, like sometimes you're 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 going to be playing an, maybe maybe like an exalted creature that doesn't necessarily play the best in your deck, or just you know your your maybe maybe your deck doesn't need that waking dead or walking dead or whatever, you know you, I I usually will find room to make to to play the to play the mind rot, and I, I think most decks like unless your deck is just completely insane. Uh, you should be able to find room for for a mind rot, and I think I think it's it's the kind of card that you you it, it's not the same in every format. So like there there are a lot of formats where yeah, it's the first card I cut when I'm when I've when I've got room. But but I think in in core sets where um you know it's it the, the, it, it often comes down to less to synergy and more to just attrition and you know who's got the the last threat or or you know if someone someone. You can maintain tempo and stuff, and and just overwhelm someone. But but really, it, most of the time, it's it's coming down to uh, card quality and 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 uh, you know who's got the last threat standing kind of thing. Hmm. I just want to say that this is coming from the guy who wants to play spell twine, so they kind of synergize. Just saying. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I want mind rots in my spell twine decks. Yeah. <laughs> You actively want at least one for sure in your black decks. Most of the time. I mean, if you're like the black, if you're the tormented soul aggro deck, which I won't be, (laughs) but if you are, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you're going to cut the mind rot, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of tormented soul, just really quick, after we had that episode, I did draft online a black red deck that uh, ended up having three tormented souls. 
and ended up winning that draft, but uh, they weren't all stars or anything. They, like my opponents just didn't do anything for for the first couple of turns. They just died. Uh, I even kept a hand of one swamp and three tormented souls. a baby. That just got That's there. That's my nightmare. But, <laughs> but it wasn't because like they were awesome. Was, like my opponents just didn't do anything. Um, now we're gonna move on to some questions that we got from Twitter for you guys and this one is one that you know obviously goes is gets asked a lot to people who play on modal a lot and the question is the what's the best way to go infinite and my first question before you answer that is if it's even possible Kenji yes it's possible but 95 if not even higher percent of time you're gonna have to be doing constructed events to do so if, if you're trying to go infinite off limited events, it's very hard unless you don't play that often. You only play during the uh, the release events where uh, the EV for those is the highest you're going to get for any limited uh, event. Yeah, so again, if, if you want to go in truly infinite um, and play at a reasonable or play a reasonable amount online, I, I'd say that constructed is the only viable way. Okay, so by deck, this question comes from EJ Seltzer on Twitter. Josh, you agree with what Kenji just said? Uh, yeah, for the for the most part, yeah. I think I think you you want to have some constructed. I I, I think that um, limited alone, um, you can do it. Uh, you got to. I mean, you got to factor in selling if off. If you're rares, as, as good sure. as Josh Frankel, yeah, yeah, that that helps. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, no, you got to factor in in selling off rares for tickets, and that's a little bit harder. It used to be it used to be way more feasible when you know rares went three for a ticket way back before the bots took over and stuff. But uh, uh, the thing you have to remember is is that it's swingy. Like you've got like you can even the best of players can lose four drafts in a row. Just scrub out yeah, round one. Out. That, that's going to happen. And so so like in the long run, you might be break even. But you've, you're gonna, you are gonna go through spells where you run out of ticks, run out of packs, and and so you 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 can't be. I don't think you can be truly infinite without without at least the constructed. With the constructed, you can you can build a pretty healthy stash of uh, of packs if you're if you're playing consistently and you know what you're doing. Obviously, but you know you can't just play constructed and you're guaranteed infinite packs but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to practice right? i mean they have to make up for the for the the money they spent building the deck as well so they they better play yeah, a lot right. with the deck yeah. to justify the uh well i mean what you investment. can do is like you like even if you're not infinite the the packs that you win drafting they, they certainly make it a lot more affordable uh like you can if you if you play swiss drafts for example you're not going to go infinite but you can you can prolong you, know, you can prolong it you can you can go to like on average you know three four tickets per draft and then build your collection that way and you know eventually have a constructed deck or part of one and you can do it that way i'd say daily events just in any like daily events and try to avoid drafts if you're going to do if you're going to try to go infinite off uh limited daily it's got to be eight fours yeah. i'm going to say that like if you're going to do drafts it's got to be eight fours um and yeah, don't don't fall into the the trap of four three two twos. It's my. <laughs> but uh, 
but they're easy. Okay. Um, Josh, have you ever made the second question is from Eric? Um, I don't know if you play enough to get you to the mocks. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I'm qualified. Okay. So his his question is, what's the best way to approach uh, getting qualified for that? Uh, uh, play a lot. I I mean. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you're if if you're like I I don't know I I I sort of just find myself like as long as I'm playing I just sort of find myself qualified, um, but like uh, if you're if you're struggling to get to the fifteen, I I think that probably daily events are better than like I wouldn't if I'm trying to qualify I don't think I would go to drafts. You've got a three zero. Uh, you go to the dailies. I think you can go three one, and you get your you get your your qualifier point. If you win the day, if you go four zero, you get three. That's probably a better way of approaching. If you're really trying to grind yourself in, but I mean, yeah, if you if you if you play a lot, you're you know you probably find yourself. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Kenji recommending dailies again. Yep, dailies. But I'm gonna have to admit, like, really don't I don't I don't like like sealed dailies. I'm not a I'm not a big fan. I don't. Oh think no, I hate them too. I don't do those unless they're uh, release events. Value. But but it's good. If it, I, I think they're fine if you want to grind into the the mocks. Maybe. Yeah. Well, this is for the uh, for the sure. common MTGO man. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> the common MTGO. Yeah. Man. Well, like if you're just trying to qualify that, stick to daily events. If you're trying to go infinite. Stick to daily events. <laughs> Whatever you do, play daily events, Eric, <laughs> is the general consensus here. Um, one last question from our listeners. Uh, so you guys can ask me more via Twitter or leave us comments on this episode. This comes from Joshua Lemish, who basically I'm just going to uh, shorten his question. It's basically asking the positives and negatives of, of playing online versus playing Paper Magic. I just want to chip in with my thoughts. I think that um, it's for me. It's beneficial. It's been beneficial because it allows me to visualize how the stack works for certain abilities. Uh, but of course, playing real life actually helps because you have to enforce the rules. You have to know um, how the cards work, and that's infinitely important now with the lapsing trigger rules and etc. So there's pros and cons to playing a, a lot online. I definitely feel like. If you're getting prepared for a real-life tournament, you need to get some real-life games in to, to make sure you are prepared. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I think I think you need, you need a mix. Uh, oh, you don't need a mix. You don't need Moto. But, I mean, there's there's, there's reason to have a, a, a mix. Like, in, in terms of learning the rules of the game, there's nothing better than Moto. To really learn all the interactions, like, because you can't screw up on Moto. Uh, there have been times where there have been some, you know, bugs. But for the most part... Uh, I, I don't think you can learn the rules better than playing a bunch of games on Moto. You can also all, get in a lot more games on Moto. No shuffling, always an opponent. There's always a competitive opponent uh, ready to play. But yeah, it was an adjustment for me because look, I, I I only started playing paper again. Like I played when I was younger. I only started playing paper again maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and I've, I've it's been an adjustment for me because I'm used to Moto taking care of everything like i couldn't even shuffle cards like it was it was bad like i went to actually like i went to a ptq not long ago i was playing delver and i didn't practice enough delver paper and i, I, I you know i played a 
ridiculous number of games online, but I'm like forgetting to draw off ponder and stuff. Like it was <laughs> it was really bad. You know, yeah. But but yeah, if you if you can get a mix in, uh, of of both, like there's there's certain things that you just can't get playing online. But uh, I, th- I think yeah. it, I think it'll help you a lot if you do play online. Yeah, that's why that's why you don't haven't heard of Josh in real life. He sucks at real life match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't draw off ponder like. <laughs> Kenji, do you have similar thoughts to both of us? Oh yeah, uh, for, like for rules, or maybe not necessarily rules, but just. Uh, the phases of the game and whatnot. MTGO is going to be your best bet at learning all of that, the minute interactions between every card and whatnot, because it does it for you. It has to happen, like uh, Josh said, except for some of the um, the bugs or whatnot that might have occurred. Um, you know, you're going to learn how everything works very well. Uh, the upside of real life play is that you do have. Um, you know, people around you to give you input on what you did. When you're playing online, unless unless you have an audience you're streaming or something, uh, you're just by yourself. If you make a mistake, you might not even know it, you know. It just might might just happen, and then you, you won't learn from that experience. But um, with real-life events, usually somebody, you know, will point it out after the match or whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. There's, there, I mean, it's good to get a mix of both in for sure. Get outside, get some of the light, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Newmont, the Nummy, and Soulbush one don't go out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, we're going to end this episode with this new segment of mine, which is we're going to do Crack a Pack, but in a very special sort of way, just to bring you guys along. We're gonna, I'm going to open a pack on Moto right now, and we're going to do this for the next couple episodes. And whoever comments and leave thoughts on which card they would pick and why will be entered into some sort of random draw. And then we pick a winner and the winner will get all the rares slash mythics that we open uh, through these crack packs. So we're not going to comment on what we think, um, but uh, here we go. I'm gonna open one of these. Hopefully it has spell twine in it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the pack is Door to Nothingness, Augur of Bolas, Cleaver Riot, Garrick's Pack Leader, Bountiful Harvest, Disentomb, Fairy Invaders, Far Seek, Goblin Arsonist, Guardian Lions, Vidalcan Entrancers, Volcanic Strength, Walking Corpse, and Wild Guests, and a Swamp. So. Let me get, know what you guys would pick, even though it's pretty obvious <laughs> what you should pick in this pack, but I'm not going to open another one. <laughs> I don't think it's that um, clear-cut, is it? Like, there's at least a choice. Uh, there's, there's, there's kind a of a choice, choice, but I mean, there's, there's, kind there's of a slam choice. for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it in the <laughs> next show. Um, so, as we wrap up, is there anything you guys want to talk about quickly? Any blowouts or any stories uh, you want to mention, Kenji? Uh, I think I just used mine earlier, didn't I? I don't, what, what was I talking about? Was it the spell twine blowout or something? Yeah, no, the switcheroo. Oh, the switcheroo. That was. It. Oh god, yeah, I don't even think about that anymore. Josh. Um. No, I, I got to prepare these. I, I have like a million. Like I play, <laughs> I play enough that I have them. But I yeah, got to start writing them down. This is like an impromptu show. I mean, next, yeah, ne- you know, next week I'm gonna have like a list. Of, I, I'm gonna have yeah, I'll have something good prepared. People better be prepared. Oh, yeah. Um, I yeah. want 
I want to thank everyone who uh, left comments, not only on MaddenDeprived.com, but on DraftMagic.com. Those are really cool guys that you have there, Josh. Yeah, it's good So buddy. thanks to Go Guys. Yeah. So um, hope you guys like this episode and watch for us next time. See you guys. See you later.